Marvel steps it up a notch in the movies this weekend, plus the first episode of the new season of Doctor Who, all on today's episode of the Geek Watch Podcast. This is the Geek Watch Podcast with Brian Hatcher and Mandy Petrie. Greetings, Geek Watchers, and welcome to episode 128 of the Geek Watch Podcast. I'm Brian Hatcher, and with me as always, Geek Watch's own resident geek goddess, Mandy Petrie. Hi, Brian. And so this weekend, starting today, we were recording on Thursday, so starting today, we uh, have Eternals in the theaters. Ooh, I wonder how that's going to go. Well, we'll find out this weekend for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, One thing specifically about Eternals, and I am going to go see it, even though I've spent all this time going, well, who wants to watch God's doing God stuff? But I'm (laughs) still still going to go see it. But one thing I hadn't realized, and it wasn't until I started looking up dates and times for movies, and I had mentioned last time that I was considering driving three hours to see Dune in IMAX. IMAX, yeah. And once Eternals rolled in, all that went away. So oh. so basically, all the IMAX theaters oh. now are playing Eternals. And oh, I, no. And so I wasn't able to go, but I'm starting to wonder if that wasn't a good thing. And the reason I say this is I've been hearing a lot of people talking about Dune in IMAX. And specifically the fact that Denny Villeneuve, the way he shot this for IMAX, it's different than a lot of people do it. Because mm-hmm. most of the IMAX movies, they just shoot it as a regular film and the IMAX camera is running. It's sort of a secondary thought. You know, it's, well, we're going to film the film the way we're going to make it, but we've got an IMAX camera running so we can get a print of it that's big enough for IMAX. It's a higher definition camera and mm-hmm. the it's not 16 by 9. It's a little bit different. So sort of an afterthought, really. But Villeneuve, he didn't do that at all. He shot this movie for IMAX, and Mm. the movie movie was the secondary. He shot everything to take advantage of IMAX. So for him, IMAX was the preferred way of seeing the film. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people who've seen this film in IMAX, they've said, once you've seen it in IMAX, you're not going to want to see it any other way. Oh, okay. He said, it's obviously an IMAX film. Uh It was meant for IMAX. Seeing it... Even on a big screen with a 16 by 9, it loses a lot. It's Mm -hmm. a lot more of an impressive film. It's a more beautiful film. But, of course, the issue with that is unless you're a millionaire and you can afford a home IMAX screen, (laughs) then you'll never get to see it in IMAX Uh unless they re-release it or whatever. So Mm -hmm. it really in the States only had like that one week that it could play in IMAX and then Eternals comes by and just wipes the whole thing. So Hmm. I don't know if Dune will come back in IMAX. I hope that it does because I would like to see it in IMAX. Although it sounds to me that if I see it in IMAX, I'm not going to want to watch it again. Because it's like, that's the way you want, you have to see it, Uh you know. And I've heard some people say that, that once you see it in IMAX, you can't go back. Hmm. It's that big of a difference. And so maybe we'll get the chance to see it. But in the meantime, now we've got uh, Eternals. And I don't know if I'm going to wind up seeing it this evening or sometime this weekend. But I am going to go see it. Uh, Do you have any plans for this weekend that you're going to maybe try to catch it? Probably not. I'm going out of town with the family. So, Uh, yeah, that's a... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's a thing. Oh, so. I hear you. Mm-hmm. So, but 
we'll definitely talk about it next week and i am looking forward to seeing it with my reservations obviously mm-hmm. but uh, i am hoping very much that i'm going to enjoy this a lot yeah and still might be you know the fun roller coaster ride yeah oh, yeah absolutely mm-hmm. and as of right now marvel hasn't disappointed me yet Mm-mm. And even movies that I didn't really think I was going to be that into, I I was really into. Mm -hmm. I'm certainly willing to give it a shot, and we'll see what happens. Also, this week, we got the new trailer for Morbius. Morbius, yeah. Wow. What I found interesting about this trailer, there's references to the MCU. Uh There's references to the Sony-verse. Yeah. Because we get both a uh, Spider-Man reference and a Venom reference. Mm -hmm. So the question is, of course, after the mid-credits scene that we got for Venom, I wonder where the MCU-Sony-verse where the lines are going to be drawn because mm-hmm. it's looking more and more like those lines are getting really fuzzy. Yeah, I much prefer those those blurred lines when it comes <laughs> to <laughs> bring them all over. Love it. And of course, with the multiverse coming into the MCU, that does give them the ability to explain why things are different. But, you know, getting to see characters interact with each other. Mm-hmm. And that is something we're going to need to talk about, I think, today because there's another possible blurred line that we might wind up having Mm -hmm. and it's one that you don't expect but for us to talk about this we gotta start talking about Doctor Who (sighs) yes I broke the music out of course we had to Now, my understanding is um, you haven't seen this. I haven't. No, uh, not yet. (laughs) Oh, so we haven't. um, I don't want to go too much into plot with this because it goes all over the place. In a good way or a bad way? I would say in a, well, in a necessary way. Okay. Because this is going to be a six episode single story. Mm -hmm. And because of that, you've got to introduce a bunch of threads Mm -hmm. to start off with. So... There are some things that we only see once, but they're basically setups for everything that's going on. But it looks like pretty much everything that was promised in the trailer has been set up in the first episode. So we get to see the Santarans. We get to see a weeping angel. Mm. We get to see these strange-looking characters, these skull characters. But one thing that this episode definitely answered was... The Timeless Children, are they just going to drop it or are they ever going to cover this again? Mm -hmm. And the answer was, no, they're not going to drop it. Not at all. Hell no. Because this is a huge part of this episode. And the Timeless Children is a major part of what begins to motivate the story. Okay. Specifically because we have this character named Swarm. The skull with the crystals growing out of his head who has been imprisoned since the beginning of time, supposedly, by what appears to me to be the Division, which was the organization that the Doctor joined Mm -hmm. to basically work behind the scenes. And we did get to see a little bit of a scene of that, you know, in The Timeless Children, but they had imprisoned Swarm, and Swarm escapes and kills two of the uh, Division guards, and does it in a really strange way. Some people noticed this and some people didn't because Swarm was actually played by two actors in the same scene. 
<laughs> because what happened was the way Swarm killed these guards is he drew their life force out of them and rendered them into ash. But he absorbed the life force and did something that looked very similar to a regeneration. Ooh, okay. So huh. this character's face changed. It looked more reptilian and then brought this uh, life force energy into it and the face completely changed and we had a different actor playing the character and so therefore we had what looked to be of type of regeneration now it wasn't the typical time lord Mm -hmm. or whatever race the doctor happens to be Mm -hmm. regeneration it was something that was similar Mm -hmm. but it was certainly a type of regeneration and so now we begin to wonder who is this character where did it come from why did the division believe that they had to keep this character contained and we get a couple of answers as this episode goes along because apparently this is a character that the doctor has fought for a long time Hmm, but apparently it happened when the doctor was in the division and when the doctor's memory was wiped okay doesn't remember this character anymore which swarm considers to be an advantage because swarm remembers all the battles the countless eons that he and the doctor fought and the doctor doesn't but the doctor has been thinking about what she learned on Gallifrey. She was looking for members of the division, was able to find one. Apparently the only one that at this point has even survived. So the division has been wiped out, it would seem. And Swarm apparently is responsible for that. And so we have Swarm and we have this battle of the ages that has been going on for a long time, but the doctor doesn't remember. We also have something which Swarm seems to be attached to that is so powerful that it is able to reshape the TARDIS. We see, first of all, there's something leaking from the TARDIS inside, and then multiple doors start opening up to the outside. So something actually has the ability to warp the TARDIS. At this point, we don't have an explanation of why this is happening. And then we get to the flux. The flux is this energy field that is able to wipe out time and space in its path. Hmm. And we see it wipe out a ton of planets. And it's heading toward Earth. We know not a lot about the flux except that Swarm seems to be responsible for it or certainly knows about it. So we're looking at the gelatinous cube of space. It's a huge pulsating fiery energy field that destroys anything in its path so powerful that when the doctor trying to fight this thing off opened up the TARDIS and hit it full head on with the entire force of the time vortex and it shrugged it off like it was nothing uh then we knew we were in trouble so there was obviously a lot more stuff going on in this episode but it really is setting up examining more of what the doctor did during the time that they were in the division what kind of stuff was going on you know what is swarm's attachment to this how does swarm's sister weigh into this again we have the weeping angel shows up in this one and and the santarans and there's other threads that are basically started Mm -hmm. and we see vendor the new character so they're basically starting these threads and i think the the next five episodes may take these threads maybe one at a time to investigate them and to basically weave this story that's where we are right now with it. There's a lot of questions that have been asked. Mm-hmm. 
And I will say I did enjoy it. It didn't slow down for a second. There was <laughs> This was a let's push forward as fast as we mm-hmm. can go. And a lot of people have said, and I can see this, is that for Chris Chibnall, someone who has done mostly episodic television, like Broadchurch, mm-hmm. that this is more in his wheelhouse than mm-hmm. writing individual episodes, which he's done for Doctor Who. This plays more into his strengths. And it does seem like this, for me, is a better episode than some of the other ones that he's written, the one-offs. Perhaps this is going to be a better representation of what he's able to do in Doctor Who. But okay. So the big question is, how does this tie into a Marvel and Sony-verse? What's going on? Well, here's the, here's <laughs> the thing. Because and I think we, we pretty much covered Doctor Who, but we have talked about, of course, after Flux and then after these specials, then Chris goes away and Jody goes away and then we have... Russell T. Davies. Exactly. Now, coming home. Yeah. Yes. Now, here's where things get interesting. Because Russell T. Davies isn't coming alone. He is bringing along with him a production company, Bad Wolf. Bad Wolf has been around since, I think, about 2016. Mm-hmm. And they've done a small handful of really good shows like uh, A Discovery of Witches. Mm-hmm. They did that one. And His Dark oh, Materials. Yes. His Dark Materials on HBO. Yes. Mm-hmm. I've only got to watch season one so far, but I, I loved it. And, you know, having read the books, great interpretation of it. So, yeah, they were responsible for both of those. But what I didn't know about the deal is I thought, okay, well, uh, BBC and Bad Wolf, they're going to have a co-production. Because, of course, BBC, they produce Doctor Who. They pay for the episodes. And, you know, now that Bad Wolf is coming in, maybe they're going to split that. But I found out, no, that's not what's going to happen. BBC will only act as the distributor. Wow, okay. Otherwise, they're not going to have anything to do with Doctor Who. They will just take the episodes and put them out on television. Huh. So that means that everything else, creating the episodes, coming up with the storylines, all that, that's bad wolf. BBC doesn't have a say in any of it, which is crazy. Yeah. (laughs) When you think about it, that's... Uh Uh-huh, that's like... 50, 60 years of, you know. Exactly. And BBC, they decided to be hands-off on it, and Bad Wolf is going to be running the show. And what's crazy about that also is the fact that that means BBC is not going to be making nearly the money that they were making before on Doctor Who. Hmm. The cut's going to be, from what I understand, a million, two million an episode that the BBC isn't going to be getting anymore. Now, obviously, Bad Wolf's putting all the money in, but the thought that BBC is going hands-off on this is just going to distribute it, that's unprecedented for a lot of BBC shows. But, I mean, Doctor Who? Now, you ready for the big twist? Yes. Bad Wolf is in negotiations right now, and they are just about done with these negotiations. Bad Wolf is about to be bought by Sony. Oh, okay. So now do you see what I was saying about crossovers? Yeah. Uh-huh. So Bad Wolf is going to be doing Doctor Who. They're going to be producing Doctor Who, shooting the episodes. And very, very soon, they're going to be owned by Sony. So Doctor Who is going to be a Sony property. Yeah. Well, I'm not exactly sure exactly how that's going to work. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the BBC has given the rights to Doctor Who to Bad Wolf. I wouldn't see them doing that. But they certainly have a lot of leeway to do whatever they're going to do with that character that they want. 
And so, wow. what does that mean? It's going to be an interesting future, yes. either way. I certainly think that it will yeah, be. Yeah, you know, they won't have access to BBC studios and things like that, but they're going to have sound stages at Sony and travel budgets that they didn't have before. So, I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, with Sony being able to put their fast financial backing mm-hmm. on them, I mean, you can just imagine with that kind of money. I mean, forget about the crossover stuff. It's kind of cute. I doubt very seriously it's going <laughs> to happen, or at least even even if it does, it's going to take a while, obviously. <laughs> but Sony being able to back Doctor Who and with their resources, like you say, money, budgets, special effects, mm-hmm. and something else is not that obvious unless you think about it, Sony properties on PlayStation for games. Oh my goodness, a Doctor yeah. Who game. Yeah, hmm. we've gotten Doctor Who games in the past, and I'm trying to remember what the name of the last one was that came out on Steam, but it wasn't very well accepted. Uh, it, uh-huh. it was very glitchy. People weren't a big fan of it, but to see a Doctor Who game exclusive for PlayStation 5, mm-hmm. especially with their programmers, the Spider-Man franchise is incredible. Mm-hmm. But just to imagine what they could do with a a Doctor Who license and make a video game. Mm -hmm. That's insane. Right. Doctor Who may be ready to blow up once again. But that being said, there's a lot of, I hate to say it this way, but there's a lot of repair they're going to have to do with this IP because, and again, Mm -hmm. I still don't believe it's Jodie Whittaker's fault. I think this has had a lot to do with a lot of the writing and Mm -hmm. a lot of the story. The show has lost some of its popularity. Mm Mm-hmm. And there are some things they're going to have to figure out. And certainly they're going to have to figure out stuff with this timeless child thing, which not a lot of people liked. And I'm one of them. Mm -hmm. I've uh, called this the Cartmel Master Plan version 2.0. And I've heard other people come to the same conclusion. It's definitely something they're going to have to address. And perhaps these six episodes of season 13 will address it to a degree that it's either going to be palatable or they're going to be able to retcon this in some way or explain it in a way that makes it more palatable to the audience. I certainly hope that's the case because they are definitely doubling down on this timeless child. Mm -hmm. They're not walking away from it at all. (laughs) And like I said, it is the main focus of this whole series because of that. Hopefully, they're going to do something with this. I'm intrigued. Mm -hmm. And so with that said, we come to the end of episode 128. Thank you for listening and tune in next time for the latest in geek news and views with the Geek Watch podcast. For Mandy Petrie, this is Brian Hatcher reminding all the geek watchers out there, we're all geeky about something. Be proud of yours. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Geek Watch podcast. If you enjoyed this program, don't forget to like and subscribe on your preferred platform and share this podcast on your social media. For links to all the ways you can listen to the GeekWatch podcast, as well as leave comments and suggestions, visit our website at geekwatch.net. The GeekWatch podcast is a Hanging J production.